everybody. This is Dr. Diana Wiley, and I'm your host of Love, Lust, and Laugh. Dr. Mark Schoen has returned to the show. I've known Mark for, I think, 25 years, maybe even longer. We are friends and colleagues, and I just love and admire him so much. Um, Mark, thank you for returning to this program. Welcome. My pleasure. It's always good to hear your voice. Thank you. And we have we have good conversations. And so I wanted to talk first about the company that you founded and that you're the head of. And it's a wonderful resource for so many of us, Sex Smart Films. So we're going to begin the show talking about Sex Smart Films, kind of an overview and some help, some self-help that's available on that site. And and really the consequences of a lack of sex education, which was a nice segue into one of Mark's films, Trans. And it's because we need to find out what's, we're going to talk about his movie, Trans, and what's happening right now in the transgender community. So that will more than fill an hour, but we're going to keep it to an hour. So uh, Mark, tell tell our listeners about Sex Smart Films and kind of an overview of your site and how how it how it started. I I know when it first started for you. Yeah, but, it yeah, started about fourteen years ago, mm-hmm. and I had forty six films, and I put them online, and I built it up. And today, there are nearly seven hundred films, and I have old films, new films. Films for children, films for adults, films for schools, films for parents, films for sex therapists, films for people who want to do their own self-help. And uh, one of the reviewers called it the Netflix of sex education. And it really is. It's the Netflix of sex education. And yeah. I love I love the, the compartments uh that people that you have on sex smart films uh research and therapy and what's the other one education education of course and the lack of edu the lack of sex education is horrific uh and yeah. we see so talk talk a little bit more about how how the sex education part of it and really how the united states compares to Sweden. <laughs> okay, well, as you know, I've spent time in Sweden and studying sexual education. And I was just amazed at the difference. You know, Sweden has a national sex education curriculum. So when children start learning math, they start learning about sexuality. And they start by learning accurate names for genitals. In the United States, and I know Diana and I have talked about this, you ask people what they call their genitals, and you if you have 10 different people, you'll get 10 different names. And it's, it's become a problem where people g- get the message that sex is something we're not supposed to talk about. And a lot of the, you talk to therapists, and I do, a lot of the people who come in for therapy, it's a result of a lack of information or some inaccurate information or not being comfortable with some sexual issues. And very often, the therapist has to do some sex education or refer them to a place. I can't tell you how many people watch this first sensate focus exercise, which uh, is there are seven sensate focus exercises which were developed by Masters and Johnson, and the first is sexual anatomy and physiology. And so many people go to a therapist, and the therapist sees they don't know about their own anatomy, their partner's anatomy, and they have them watch this nine-minute film. And it's important that we start educating children at an early age so that they don't end up having the the problems that we have. I mean, 
If you look at the World Health Organization statistics, countries like Sweden and the United States, the onset of sexual behavior is about the same age. Mm -hmm. Unwanted teenage pregnancy, United States is much higher than Sweden. Sexually transmitted diseases among teenagers, including HIV, much higher in the United States. They're taught to be responsible about their sexual behavior. Unfortunately, we aren't. So I am a big proponent of teaching sex education at an early age. And in 1990, I wrote, I wrote a children's book called Belly Buttons Are Navels, which is still on Amazon. And it was a little book to teach children accurate names for their body parts. And I couldn't believe how controversial it was in 19... It's still controversial. One publisher wanted to publish it, but they said I would have to remove one word. Clitoris. And what was that word, Mark? Clitoris. I thought so. Uh, you know, if I may just interject, yes. uh, I'm in Seattle, as you know, and I think most of our listeners do too. So uh, there are quite a few uh, East Asians, Indians here, because they have really good uh, engineering programs. And so we have a lot of engineers working for Amazon and Microsoft and so on. So I've seen a lot of Asian couples, um, and especially among the Indians, but it's also true among the Chinese. There, there's virtually no, or and the Japanese, there's virtually no sex education in these countries. And, um, and with... I remember one uh, Indian couple, and they'd been strugg struggling. They'd never had intercourse. They had an arranged marriage, and they didn't know how to have intercourse. So that was, and that was something I had to educate them on, and including the anatomy. And they did not know what the clitoris was, where it was, and and how useful it was for sexual pleasure and that the clitoris has no other function other than pleasure whereas the penis has several several functions uh and it has six to eight thousand nerve fibers so it's really good for for men and women to be good lovers to be real familiar with clitorises so that part of your the sensate focus and and your um sexual anatomy part is really really useful and to be able to see it. And I have suggested to couples that they go to sex smart films. It's really, really good. And I, of course, recommend Sensate Focus. It's a very typical um, uh, exercise for, that sex therapists offer. And the, you said Masters and Johnson. As I understand it, William uh, Masters' partner was Virginia Johnson, of course. And she was the one who really started our field of sex therapy by s s noticing that people needed to slow down and be less genitally focused and um, and thus the whole sensate focus. You go on and describe what your sex smart film shows with the um, sensate focus exercises because it's really useful for, for couples to see it and then do it. Yeah. Tell, tell us more about Sensate Focus. Well, we made there, there were Sensate Focus films that were made in the 1970s, and I have those on, still on the website. Yes, you do. Yes. But the newer ones, we made the same film three times. Once mm -hmm. with two gay couples, once with two lesbian couples, and once with two heterosexual couples. So any sexual orientation can use these sensate focus exercises and they're divided into seven exercises the first as i said was the anatomy and physiology then there's the face caress there's one exercise where you only touch your partner's face yeah very intimate to do yeah. that because it might even if you had a good mother and most of us did she touched and caressed your face and as part of as a baby and it, it's and and your scalp and i know um part of the secure attachment that i got fortunately and that i gave to my children like i can remember when they were small i would sing to them before and read a story before bedtime and then i would rub their heads and to this day they 
love having head rubs, but that touch is so important. Yes. Yes. And for relaxation and for just connection. So, all right. So you've got the seven exercises, face caress. Go ahead. Uh, Body caress. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then there's genital caress. Uh, Then the... um, and it the the last exercise is intercourse. Yes. And, uh, but I think the message that the this series of films gives is that, as you said, sexuality is not just about the genitals. And being able to be intimate and comfortable with your partner and building to you know the sexual arousal and uh, is it's been very valuable, and I've talked to people who've used this. And you know, one person said, "I wish I knew this about this fifteen years ago." Yes, yes. So, so it's very helpful, and there are people who come to the website on their own and just do the exercises, and it a therapist hadn't prescribed it someone told them about it and they it's they do their own self help so and and you know the self help can be very powerful and also a great resource for people that frankly can't afford sex therapy i know in this in my state washington state sex therapy is not covered by insurance it's very short short-sighted uh it seems to me because so people are much happier if they have a good sex life and they're miserable if they don't yeah. uh, so it it's uh to to have the right education is everything and it, and it circumvents all the the shame that so many adults feel around their sexuality because they don't get sex education from their parents. So many people don't. I did. I was so lucky from both my parents when I was like in fifth grade. And uh, we were on a car trip. So we were we were a captured audience. <laughs> I, I still remember I, I, when my father, my father did most of it. And then my mother would would come in on the female parts, menstruation and so on. But um, I when I heard my dad say, about conception and how the penis goes in the vagina, I was just amazed. I was so naive, I guess. And I'm looking out the window and my mother says, Diana, stop looking out the window. You know, this is, this is, sexuality is a beautiful thing and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Of course, this was the late fifties and uh, the caveat was sexuality is a beautiful thing after you're married. So I didn't follow that, but who knew I'd become a sex therapist one day? But I just remember it was so that, and then thereafter, I I had ease talking to my parents. And then the nice thing about that is it transfers it in, into other generations, like my own children. Yes. And now and now I hear my daughter; she's doing such a good job with her boys, who are now ten and thirteen. So, yeah. It's, and, it's, and but you, your family here in the United States was a minority. Yes, yes. You know, there's research that, <clears throat> excuse me, that says the average American sees pornography on the internet by the time they're ten or eleven today. Mm-hmm. And these children are not looking for pornography. They don't even know what pornography is. They don't get sex education in school. They don't get sex education from their parents. So they go on the internet and they're looking for sexual information and they end up on a porn site. Yeah. And those films are certainly not made to educate 10-year-olds. And I think it's a shame that for many of our citizens, that is their first experience with sex with sexuality it's tragic it's should they have no frame of reference to integrate this information and and some of the porn scenes show uh a, a man choking a woman as part of the the sex play and um geez that's really a bad message <laughs> yeah 
it, it is very confused, thing. very confused. These, but but yeah. there are people who are doing things about it. Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago, I don't know if you know Al Vernacchio, who teaches at a friend's high school in Pennsylvania. Oh, yes. you. I think you've talked about him before. Go ahead. He had a full day program on sexual consent in a high school. And mm -hmm. I, I was one of the speakers. Oh, good. And it was amazing that they saw the need for this. And they had all sorts of speakers and the students speaking about consent. And yeah. how so, so many of them have had issues where they've been traumatized because someone made sexual advances without their consent. So, yes. And I think uh, this is another example of why we need sex education. We need it desperately, desperately. Um, so self-help can be really useful in going to Sex Smart Films. SexSmartFilms.com is the uh, address on the on the internet, and I'll put all of this in my show notes, of course. Um, so self-help, if you can't afford therapy and and you're not likely to go to the library and get books, I mean, we learn so much visually. And Mark, your site is just amazing, and it's gotten a lot of national recognition and perhaps yes. international. Tell me yes. if have you well, gotten international we have, too? We have lots of in, you know, we have films from 52 different countries. Yes. Uh I've made there was a a book written in 1972 for five-year-old children called The True Story of How Babies Are Made. I made that into an animated film. And it's amazing the comments I get from yeah. about it. I mean, I remember once it was it was designed for five year olds, and someone came up to me at a professional meeting said, "Do you think I could show this in a high school?" Uh huh. <laughs> and it it just shows the cultural differences where this book was written in Denmark, and it, it's just matter of fact, and uh, you know. I first became aware of the cultural differences when I was in Sweden. I was in a, I think I've told you this, I was in a Swedish family's home and we, yes. were, watch, we were watching television and there was a lot of nudity on Swedish television. And they had a little boy who was five or six years old and he was watching the nudity and the mother and father didn't think anything of it. And then a big fight broke out in one of the TV shows the mother grabbed the child and covered his eyes. And I thought, wow, that you would never see that in the United States. No, I mean, to see people loving each other and being sensual and sexual. Oh, that's so much better than violence. And we have way too much violence shown on TV. It's just shocking. And it, yes. And it's, it, so it's interesting that Scandinavian countries censor violence yeah oh, yes here, here in the united states you can't see a bare butt on television they black it out it's, yeah that's right so uh or and, or nipples on a woman they'll yes. black out those yeah. yeah and if you really want to see the cross-cultural differences i have a category called advertising and sexuality. And I have condom commercials from about 52 different countries. Yes. And it's and amazing. Some of them are quite amusing, but they still get the message across, right? Yes. And some of them have nudity in it. Mm -hmm. Some of them have, you know, you see some, it's not explicit, but you see some sexual behavior. And I remember in the United States, you don't even see a condom in a condom commercial. And I remember once I was at a conference and the Trojan company had a booth next to me and I was talking to one of the workers there. And I said, 
you know, your condom commercials don't even show condoms. And he says, with good reason. And I said, please tell me the good reason. Yeah. Said if we include a condom, it would never get aired on television in the United States. You can't. What, even... What's the justification for that? How can tell me? Tell me more. Tell I, us. I d don't know, but when when I watch, there's one commercial I have from Kenya where you actually see the condom get unrolled, and you see, you know, it's it's just. Uh, you know, you see nudity in some, you see a lack of comfort with sexuality in the United States. Yeah, and look where we are now. Yeah, and we're not the only country that's like that, but we are certainly the largest. Yes, yes, yes. You have a, another, uh, uh, the self-help under your, uh, in sex therapy, is becoming orgasmic. And I certainly, over the 40 years I've been doing my work as a marriage and family therapist and board certified sex therapist, uh, so many women are not able to have uh, an orgasm with a partner. Uh, they can they can have an orgasm with a vibrator, but not with a partner. And so be, becoming orgasmic, you have some of the original films uh, and Lil Piccolo, I think, and was Julia one. Hyman. Yep, and Julia. Oh, and I I met Lil Piccolo years ago at a conference. He mm -hmm. was a really interesting guy. Um, so you have some of the original films, and a lot of my female anorgasmic clients have benefited from watching your becoming orgasmic. Yeah. Well, films. we have. The so tell tell us a little bit about how that goes. Well, we have the the original version that that came out, I think, in the late seventies. Yeah, and then we have the newer version, which came out in nineteen, I think, ninety four. So it's not new, but mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people still use it. And one therapist tells me there's one scene where the woman who's in the film is on the telephone and it's a cordless phone with a big, long stainless steel antenna. Yeah. <laughs> it dates it. It yeah. dates it. And so she's, she says, she always tells her clients, just focus on the information. Don't focus on the telephone. Yeah. 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 But the information well, is still accurate. Absolutely. And, and people are saying to me, why don't you remake the film? So, who knows? Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Well, you've made a lot of films. Uh, talk about some of some of the other films you've made, and then I really want to uh, segue into the trans film. Okay. So that we can talk about the transgender community. But what are some of the other films that you've made along the way? Well, I know. I know. For one thing, you were the filmmaker at the Sinclair Institute. Yes. For years and uh and, and i and i did some narration for them for i think yes. one of them you might have helped me get the get the gig and it was i, um, I did yeah i figured <laughs> great set so it's uh great sex for a lifetime volumes one and two which yeah. focuses on baby boomers right and the sinclair institute was known for the better sex video series Mm -hmm. And I produced the newer version of that. And yeah. it was made for couples. And uh, it was very, uh, it was out there. I mean, they were putting full page ads in, you name a magazine, and there was a full page ad. And the only thing they changed in the ad I thought was interesting was the photograph. So, for example, in Ladies Home Journal, you saw a man in a suit and a lady in an evening gown. <laughs> in Playboy magazine, you saw yeah. a woman who was, you know, uh, you saw her breasts and, you know, they were, it suggested nudity. Yeah. And, uh, but they sold so many of those. And that was back in the day when they were selling 
videotapes and then DVDs. It's That's in, right. When everything went digital, it, it hurt the company. And now they don't even make films anymore. And they just, I mean, they sell the old films, but not many of them. And they're focusing on sex toys, vibrators and things like that. So. Yes. And, and, uh, Sex toys are really important, but that's not what we're talking about today. But I, you know, I, th those, those, um, like my two volumes of, um, where I narrated and, and Lori Buckley and I both narrated, um, she's another sex therapist and that Mark and I know. And, um, so I've, I've steered some of my, oh, going back to the Asian clients because, Again, we need visuals to really learn about. Some had never seen any, you know, arranged marriages and this sort of thing. They'd never seen, uh, other than porn, they'd never seen couples naked and, and what they do sexually. So right. yeah. it's still possible to get to to link these videos. Yeah, and all the, all the Sinclair videos are on Sex Smart Films. And... They, That's right. They all are, aren't they? Yes. yes. Yes, all of them. Even the ones with you in it. Yeah. So, how, how about the one I, I need to go and look again? Because the one that I was my audition piece with Sinclair, it was about 1994, I think. And it was, and I pretty much wrote it. It was How to Seduce Your Lover Forever. <laughs> I don't know if I have that one. Okay. But, but, I don't think I do either. <laughs> Yeah, it's in storage probably somewhere, but uh, yeah. So, but oh, yeah. Go, go no, you go ahead. Oh uh, well, I was going to say that couples watch these films. Many couples watch them together. Yes. And when I and when I talk to them, if they're going to watch it together, I say, "Remember, you have a pause button, and if something comes up in the film." you have a question about or you want to talk about, hit the pause button and talk about it. Because the film is a tool, and the tool is to use to help improve your sexuality, improve your sexual enjoyment. And if you and your partner can talk about what you see on the screen, it's a lot easier than talking about you and me while we're in bed together. So, Precisely. And I, I give, uh, probably thanks to you, but I, I do give the same instructions to my couples to, uh, to actually, I tell them to pause it after each scene uh -huh. and to have a discussion about what did this bring up for me? And sometimes it's fear. And so, of course, that gives us a chance to talk about it in session. Um, some couples are really, they'll fast forward through the anal play uh, section because because a lot of women will say I don't want anything near my anus. No. <laughs> yeah, they're and, they're just adamant. And, <laughs> so, but, but that to me that's a good thing that you communicate to your partner. You need to communicate what you like, what you yes. enjoy, and what you don't like. And so you you're you you understand each other's sexual desires. Yeah, it's 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 a conversation that so many couples don't have. And if they manage to to get into counseling with me, of course, then we talk about all of these things and I give them other exercises that that promotes discussion. Um like in in my book, Love in the Time of Corona. And by the way, because it's the subtitle is advice from a sex therapist for couples in quarantine. So it's a little bit dated now, but your blurb on the back of the cover, we we quote a lot. Thank you for it. It's it's a year's worth of sex therapy in one volume. <laughs> yes. and, and that has made a difference. But on page 138 in my book, I often give this to couples to because it's it's it really encourages discussion, reasons for having sex. And then in alphabetical order, and they're supposed to put one through 10, accomplishment, affection, bargaining exchange, 
communication, concern for partner, duty, obligation, procreation, recreation, play, spiritual bond, and tension release. Well, one through 10, and then are are their numbers fairly the same or not? And they can talk about the woman, if she has low desire, her, her, she might have a, a two by duty obligation. And especially, I must say, some of my Asian women, where they actually, it's the cultural thing. It's part of the cultural thing, duty obligation. But that gets conversations going. And so many couples have trouble talking about this, yes. what they like and what they and, don't. And, and what th- are the reasons for having sex? And I think that is a key that many couples don't talk about sex and they just get into bed and just start doing what they do, where if they communicate their likes, their dislikes, uh, what turns them on, what turns them off, you know, these will help improve your sexual relationship. Absolutely, because otherwise, if 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 like if the man doesn't know what his female partner wants and needs, it's like going on a treasure hunt without any clues. Yes, it's just hard to do. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and if people express their desires and show their partner what they want and ask their partner what they would like in return it you know the sexual communication is so important oh it's so important you told i remember a presentation you gave i think it was in st louis sometime around 2001 or two and um my son had driven up from chicago where he was working or maybe he was still in graduate school. I don't remember. But anyway, so he was part. He was part in the audience because you, because I wanted him to hear you speak. Um, and you, you, you said that you had one couple because you try. Sinclair tries to use real couples, yeah, and they mostly all, do. All yeah. real couples. Yep, yep, all real couples. And I remember that one, great sex for a lifetime. But you said one couple came in and they had seen a lot of porn and. They asked you, what do you want us to do? And tell tell us what, oh. what your answer was. Well, well, his question was, where do you want me to come? Mm. And I thought, where, where did he get his sex education? So I said to him, when you and your wife make love at home, where do you come? Mm-hmm. And he looked a little, you know, embarrassed. And he said to me, you know, I just come inside her. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, we are looking for sexual realism. I want you to do what you do at home. I don't want you to do anything different. And that's what they did. Yeah. Isn't that the impact of porn? Yes. And, and, well, was, and back then it wasn't even as massive as it is now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it. And it, it 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 was very interesting. I, I mean, we had some very interesting couples. In fact, I'll tell you one amusing story. Please. These are all real couples. Right. Some were married, some were in long-term relationships. But we were shooting in February. And after I interviewed a couple and they agreed to be in it, I gave them a few dates. And one couple, I said... I gave them dates, and one the woman said, oh, Valentine's Day. Let's do it on Valentine's Day. So Valentine's Day comes up, and they're having it. It's a, a big studio. There are three cameras. There are about 35, 40 people in the crew, and they're having intercourse, and she's on top. And there's one lighting guy who's holding a light, And she is making eyes, the whole time she's having intercourse with her husband, she's making eyes at him. And (laughs) after the shoot, he came up to me and he said, that was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. She was looking at me the whole time she was making love to her husband. Well, 
Did the husband notice? I don't know, but <laughs> but I mean, the, the, a lot of the guys in the crew noticed, and it was a little obvious. But but she that was what she wanted to do on Valentine's Day: have intercourse with her husband in front of a group of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that can be very exciting. Yes. Exhibitionists. Yes. I've known of couples that go to swinging parties and they don't interact with other couples, but just with each other. And they get turned on by other people watching them and other people watching them are voyeurs and they get turned on by that too. So it works out for everybody. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's amazing. The diversity in sexual behavior and, and sexual desire and sexual what people like and don't like it's yeah you know, I, and i remember when i was very young and in this field i thought i knew everything there was to know and mm-hmm. now the older i get i realize i'll never learn it all you know there's always something new i feel the same way i feel exactly the same way there's always something new it's one reason i decided to specialize because i got my license as a marriage and family therapist first and um in california there's a three thousand hour internship process and um so i one of one of my internships was with maria dr maria flaherty you know her and i it was so exciting to, to see her do sex therapy and for her to, and then we had two sexuality, female sexuality groups for a number of years. Right. And it just, it's, yes, the diversity, it's, it's ever changing and it's so satisfying and measurable when people start having better sex. Yes. It's much better than working with, for me, <laughs> than working with depressed suicidal people. I mean, I have done that, but I really enjoy working, specializing as a sex therapist and seeing people improve their sex life and the joy and the happiness that comes with that. It's amazing. Yeah, it it, it is. It's a very satisfying field that especially, you know, with sex therapy, with, uh, dealing with diverse groups. I mean, uh, I've, uh, I don't know if you know the children's film I made a year or two ago called What's Gay Asked May. Yeah, I do know about it. Let's talk about that for a minute and then we're going to segue into the the, uh, transgender issues. Um, A gay activist who's been Brian McNaught wrote a children's book called What's Gay Ass May, and we made it into an animated film. And it's less than three minutes long. And it basically it teaches a child that it's another way to love. Right. And and, uh, it's just so satisfying to see people look at it and, you know, smile and say, oh, I'm okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, you know, I'm I'm working on a little film now, and I'll just tell you one part of it. It opens up. Sure. And, it opens up, and you see a human heart beating, and you yes. see, you hear the heart, and you, then you hear a voice say, "Can you tell me the ethnicity, the race?" the sexual orientation and the gender identity of the owner of this heart. And a cardiologist comes on and says, absolutely not. Exactly. We're the same on the inside. We're all the same on the inside. And, but many people are judged by their exterior. And I'll just tell you, I'll go to the end. I'm going to use a quote from Oscar Wilde. Oh, yeah. Be yourself because everyone else is taken. Yeah. I love that quote. And um, my daughter gave me a magnet showing a 1920s showgirl uh, 
And that Oscar Wilde quote is on it. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. Yes. And uh, and she knows that I was a showgirl back in the time in Miami Beach <laughs> in the early 70s. Uh-huh. And, and I only had uh, beautiful costumes and feathers and and I only wore glitter on my nipples. And I happened to come from a pretty nice family. I, you know, I'm putting nice in quotes. So it was pretty much of a shock that 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 Diana was doing this. It was, a, I'd already been a year teaching school in Hawaii after that, <laughs> before that. But I'm so glad I did that. And that was part of what I wanted to do to, ex- I was still learning about myself. And uh-huh. and it, re- it set me up for, a really, oh, my husband's so happy when I can present myself and do a striptease and, you know, <laughs> yeah. show myself off. I'm pretty good at that. But let's talk about the transgender community. Uh, this community is perhaps the most misunderstood and mistreated minority in America and really around the world. And I just, I, this is, this is, I want people to listen to this. Say well, you're in a room, say you're in a room with 400 people. 36 don't have health insurance. 48 live in poverty. 85 are illiterate. 90 have untreated mental illnesses. And every day at least one person is shot. But two are transgender. So you decide ruining their lives is a priority that's what's happening right now ruining their lives is a priority. we have these politicians it's it's awful it's tragic yes it, it absolutely is so tell us about the origins of your trans film and i've seen it a few times and i recommended it to my trans Clients. I don't have too many, but in the past I've had a few more. Tell us about the trans film and and the the influence that it's had on people. And well, I'd love to hear some of the backstories uh, too. Well, the way it's st- I was on a committee with Dr. David Satcher at Morehouse School of Medicine. Dr. Satcher was the Surgeon General under Clinton and Bush. Yep. And he wanted to start this sex education program. And the Clinton administration wouldn't let him because Clinton was in the middle of this sex scandal. And they thought, you know, here he's in the middle of this sex scandal and he's promoting a sex education program. Mm. So when Dr. Satcher left Washington, D.C., he went to Morehouse School of Medicine in Atlanta, and he started a committee with 16 people, and I was one of those 16. And one day, one of the other members, Dr. Christine McGinn, who is transgender and does gender confirmation surgery, as she calls it, came up to me and told me that this film production company was wanted to do her story. And I said, great, you have a great story. And she said, I don't want them to do it. I said, why not? She said, if they do it, it'll be like an episode of the Jerry Springer show. It'll be sensationalized. Yes, yes. So she said, would you like to do it? Mm-hmm. How did you know each other? From this committee. We oh, met. from the committee, that's right, yeah, yes. We, she knew I was a filmmaker and she had seen some of my films and we were just, you know, colleagues. And that began a three-year journey making the film Trans, which is still on Amazon Prime. And if you read, there are about 250 reviews on Amazon Prime. And I read some of them and they bring tears to my eyes. Yeah, yeah, me too. It was a, it it was released in 2012, so it was ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. It made a big difference in people's lives. And we had screenings in about 40 universities and 
countless film festivals and the experiences I had as a filmmaker were never so gratifying. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I remember once we were at doing a screening at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And one of the transgender people who appears in the film was at the screening. And after the screening, there was a Q&A and a undergraduate, you know, 19 year old student got up and said to her, why did you choose to be this way? And I'm going to quote her exactly yeah. as she said. She said, who the fuck would choose this? And when you think about it, and when she you She put it so succinctly, didn't she? Yes. Who but, the fuck would choose this? And, you know, you don't choose your sexual orientation. You don't choose your gender identity. You don't choose your hair color. You're born this way. That's right. And when I hear these politicians talking and making rules about gender identity and sexual orientation, I think, what is happening? We're going backwards. It, it's, it's just uh, so hurtful that the science behind sexuality is being over thrown by politicians and I don't understand it. That's so. that right. The science of, well, there, I, I think a lot of them are just pretty short-sighted and their conservatism and their religious beliefs just overtake them and they can't, can't see. I mean, um, you know, uh, the state of Nebraska now claims the right to determine what its citizens will do with their their sexual bodies, yeah. what those bodies will look like and how they will function and what they will mean. But, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yes, but there are religious people who are becoming more open-minded. In fact, yes. Uh, the Reverend Dr. Bill Staten has a book out, which I highly recommend. It's He's a preacher, and he wrote a book called Sinless Sex, which you can get on Amazon. Oh, that's and, good. He's a great guy. I oh, He's been at some of our conferences. And William Staten, right? Yes, Bill? William Staten. Yeah. And I have a video of him and in a church, and he's starting to preach at a sermon and he begins the sermon. He says, this sermon is rated PG 13. And that's how the sermon begins on a Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. So. Well, we, we need, we need more people like William Stat Staten. 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 Yeah. Yes. Uh, he, he's, he's a lovely man. I, I've had brief conversations with him and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit more about some of the, the the people in the the your film trance and 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 some of and what it's and what it's made, how it's made a difference in their lives. Give us a couple more anecdotes and maybe even another little bit on Christine again, because her her story is fascinating. She's yeah. Yeah. Well, so, Yes. Dr. McGinn, who is located in New Hope, Pennsylvania, and does surgery in across the river, which is in New Jersey, she has patients coming her from all over the United States and some from outside the United States. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have to come to Pennsylvania, and many mm -hmm. of them... Uh, they have to stay for a week or so after. And in fact, she opened a bed and breakfast for her patients so they can stay there. And I remember once I was visiting her in Pennsylvania and she gave me a room in the bed and breakfast. That's nice. Yeah. Very hospitable. And I, <laughs> and 
I came down for breakfast and this woman said, are you Mark? And I said, yes. And she came up to me and she started hugging me. Uh-huh. And I had never seen this woman in my life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I looked at her and I said, what is this all about? And she said, my daughter had surgery yesterday. Yeah. When I was first told that she was transgender, I was not supportive. I was a little abusive. And my friend suggested I watch your film. I watched it. And now I'm here supporting my daughter after she had surgery. So. Yeah, apparently, um, I mean, that's a wonderful story. And there are so many families that don't support. Uh, One of the listeners to this program emailed me uh, after the last time we were, uh, after our last show together. And, um, he said that his his mother he he was just turning 40 and his mother hadn't he's transitioning male to female and uh she said get the pronouns right because it's important yes she said um that even her mother didn't remember her birthday because in my email when when she had said uh that she was transitioning and her and her birthday was coming up, her 40th and so on. And so I wished her a belated happy birthday. And even her mother, just total rejection. And I just, um, there's a, she was on, uh, I guess, Good Morning America or this morning. And it's Gina Rochero. Do you know about this woman? No, I don't. It's G-E-E-N-A. R-O-C-E-R-O. And she gave a TED talk that I looked at, um, Why I Must Come Out. And she's written a a, a memoir called Horse Barbie. Um, I won't take time to talk about that right now, but she pointed out in her TED talk, she's very articulate, that she had powerful support from her family and especially her mother, starting back in the Philippines. And then she came here some years ago, but she is a an articulate, wonderful woman, and uh, she pointed out in her TED talk that the, that the suicide rate, and I know you know this, yes, is nine times higher than the general population among yes. transgender. Well, there was a there was a study of six thousand transgender people, and the question they asked was, "Have you ever seriously contemplated?" or attempted suicide. Of those 6,000, 41% said yes. In the general population, it's less than 2%. Yeah. So. Less than 2%, yeah. So that's what makes it nine times higher, right? Yes. And the general population. but, But what is amazing is how many different stories there are. Yes. You know, and they're all different. Uh, One that just blew me away was Dr. McGinn told me an 85-year-old biological man came to see her and he wanted a vaginoplasty. He wanted a transition to be a woman. Yes. And she said to him, you're 85 years old. And this person said, I always knew I was transgender since I was a child, but I got married when I was very young. I love my wife very much. We had two children. I would never do anything to hurt her. She passed away last year, and I would like to die my authentic self. Oh, that brings tears to my eyes. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, Dr. McGinn did the surgery. Yep. So, you know, and then the flip side of it is, what's the right age? When should, what's the youngest age someone should be allowed to have surgery? So, you know, these are all controversies. So, yeah, and in, and, in, and in your movie, in your film, Trans, uh, you have um, 
lots of lots of characters or it's a documentary these are real people ranging from a seven-year-old to those in middle age i mean they're all represented uh yes and um, and the seven-year-old was just going to school dressed as a female yeah that's and right so uh but it's amazing how many and and it's also education is the key yeah give you what i did a screening of trans here in washington dc and after mm -hmm. the screening a couple came up to me with a little seven-year-old girl mm -hmm. and and talked to me like they knew me and said hi this is eliana she's in oscar's class oscar is my grandson oh. turns out it turns out eliana was transgender and was a biological boy but dressing as a female and next time i saw oscar i said hey oscar is eliana in your class and he goes yeah i said did you know that eliana is transgender and he goes yeah yeah like what's the so the parents went to the school administrators school administrators talked to the teachers teachers talked to the kids educated them and eliana was able to go as herself and without a problem without getting bullied because these poor children are so often yes. bullied people just don't understand absolutely so but it shows that education is important and the lack of education you know people are not born hating you have to learn how to hate so these kids who are bullying where are they learning that yeah we're that's such an important point that we we're not born to hate uh honestly the united states is quite a mess right now and yeah. it's it's just it's really sad it's really but sad it is sad but there is a solution yes and the yes. solution is education that's right you need to educate people about sexual identity sexual orientation be a little more expansive on our sexual education do you see any we have to stop in just a moment but do you see any signs of in in today's uh climate that we are improving on the sex education front I see it in some places like as I said before could you imagine a high school doing a program on sexual consent so you know years ago that wouldn't have even been a thought so that kind of thing we need to see more of that kind of thing and starting sex education at an early age and parents should if they're not children aren't getting it in school they should give them some books talk to them let That's them right. know let them know that sexuality is an acceptable subject to talk about in our household you can give them messages and you can get and you can say to your your kid you know, I want you to read this book, which they've previewed, they've looked at and they've found it. And, and, and I want you to read this book. And if you have any questions, I'll do my best to answer them. And if I can't answer them, I'm going to look them up. But you are being then a concerned and available parent because yes. you're silent. And I see the ramifications of this with yeah. my clients that yeah. is a message too that you know sex is not it's a shameful thing and it's it's not a joyful thing it's not your birthright <laughs> sexuality is our birthright yes and you know if a child had a question about astronomy you would not hesitate to give them the answer or if you didn't know the answer you'd look it up for them that's right exactly. sexuality should be treated the same way uh, just, and in just conclusion in conclusion, people listening, please check out Dr. Mark Schoen's sexsmartfilms.com. You will you will be thrilled and you will be educated and you'll you'll tell other people to go there too because 
education is the key. And it also on a personal level, if you're more educated, you it's powerful. Education is powerful and it'll make you a more confident lover. And confidence is everything, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much. And we'll have you back again shortly because um or soon because you have so much to share with us. Really appreciate your time today. And I know our listeners do too. Well, You're the best, Mark. You're just the best. Thank you, Diana. It's always a pleasure. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. And everybody check out Sex Smart Films. Bye.